In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello, and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin, and this is a special Broads and Books bonus episode. Listen, listeners, we are inching closer to recording our regular weekly episodes in person yet again. Yes, very soon. I have a paper chain. Because (laughs) recording via Zoom is a great temporary thing, there's really nothing like staring into your real eyeballs, Amy. While we talk. I'm pointing at him right now. Stare yeah. right, stare right into him, into my eyeballs. There we go. But mm-hmm. you know, I want to touch your face too, which we never do. But I really want to do it now in the future. Just whenever we're together, I want to appreciate us by touching your face. Yeah, it feels like someone told me I can't, so now I need to. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but get this: one thing that we've discovered during quarantine is recording via Zoom is pretty great when we get to talk to our favorite authors. Sure is. We get to look at their virtual eyeballs, look right at them, and then we get to talk books, and it's a great time. It is a great time. Sometimes we even get to see their TBR piles live. Yes. So today on the Broads Talk Books With, we've got Sean Adams. I recommended his book, The Heap, in episode 55. And get this, people. So Sean actually lives in Des Moines, Iowa, as Aaron and I do. So when we originally approached Sean pre-quarantine, we'd had glorious ideas of meeting and talking in person and becoming best friends. Then COVID came along. Right. So we had to scratch that, and we got him on Zoom instead, where he shared some of his favorite books, how he's been reading during the quarantine, and his favorite food-related pop culture obsessions. You can find all the books that Sean mentions in the show notes on your podcast player and our website. 
And now here's our interview with Sean Adams. Did you have a favorite book as a kid or a teen, one or a couple? And what do you think it was about that book that made it your favorite? You know, I, I, I specifically remember reading this book when I was, I must have been in, you know, like, like late grade school. And it was called The Education of Robert Nifkin by Daniel Pinkwater. Hmm. Uh, and I think like, it's one of those things where it's like, I think him is very famous, but he might just like actually be from the area I grew up. <laughs> so it's like this like local like children's author, but he, uh, it was written as like a, an entrance exam to this like very strange sort of like private school uh, where this like really problematic kid, Robert Nifkin was applying. And I, for some reason, I always remember that, but like, I, I remember that as like the first book that I'm like, oh, like, I can still like remember parts of this book. I still think about this book a lot. I mean, like, wow. there, there were all sorts of, you know, like books I read about like, you know, it's like exploring space with the Martians or whatever. And I can't, I can't think of a single like actual name of any of those books. But yeah, no, this was the one that I always think about. It's really funny and kind of like really kind of weird. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. So I think that that's probably why it appealed to me. It was just like a super, like, just like laugh out loud, like funny. And there were like, there were swear words in it and it was a book oh, for yeah. kids. So I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> well, one of the, other things that we've talked about a lot on the podcast is classics that we struggled with. Um, sometimes that were put out like, oh, this is, you know, what reading means, or this is how you get into literature. We talked a lot about Moby Dick being the one that we struggled with. Is there a classic that you struggled with or that you said, no, that's not for me? <laughs> oh, totally. I think, um, <clears throat> I mean, it's like some of it was timing, you know, like I feel like I read Huckleberry Finn when I was in like, like sixth grade or something. And I was like, what? Like, I like, and they kept saying, you know, like, they're like, oh, he's like one of the great American humorists. And I'm like, this book isn't funny at all. Like, I don't get, I don't get anything that's happening. Uh, you know, like, it's like a real sort of like, it's a real struggle. Uh, you know, it was like one of those books, too, where like, I feel like by the time I could have maybe appreciated it, like, I'd read it 12 times, you know what I mean? Like a different like levels of school so I was just yeah. like sort of like burned out on it and then uh Frankenstein was another one I read in middle school and I was just like I want to like go back and be like this wasn't really <laughs> like like this is a dense book <laughs> yeah, this yeah. Is not necessarily like middle school stuff but yeah that was like those were two that I really like just like had a hard time with and I feel like it was definitely more like timing than anything and but it's also hard to go back now because I like still have those like memories <laughs> yes that's yes. the thing we've talked about that too it's such a disservice to introduce some of these books to us at a young exactly. age we don't know what the hell we're doing we don't know what this means yeah especially <laughs> frankenstein that is intense <laughs> yeah and we were all you know we were like this is gonna be rad it's gonna be a monster story like you know and, and then like you know i'm like reading like i'm reading like three pages an hour like you know like over like some like spring break or something i'm just like oh god like you know like like, this isn't cool at all. No, that's <laughs> terrible. Did you, either when you were younger, were there any books that sort of made their way out of that general malaise and kind of inspired you to be a writer? Like, you looked at it and you thought, wait, this is something I can do in the future. I remember in high school, I mean, it's not necessarily like that it inspired me to be a writer, uh, but I remember reading Crime and Punishment in high school and that being one of the books that I read and, you know, was just like, like super excited about, you know, as I was reading it, you know, that it wasn't, it didn't feel like an assignment. It didn't feel like, you know, like I was just like, 
I was really just like thrilled to find out what happened and, you know, with Raskelnikov and, <laughs> you know, and it was just like, and I actually like started to kind of like, also like one of those books that definitely like started, you know, it had that effect of like being like, oh, I can actually like, I'm thinking critically about this and that's exciting. It's not just like, yeah. you know, like what the teacher has assigned for me to find symbolism or whatever, that there's like actual like moral questions here. And yeah. I don't necessarily think about it often as like an influence, but it probably was in, mm -hmm. in a different way. Sure. Sort of in the background, yeah. just making itself known to you. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to transition a little bit to your reading life now. Are you willing to share how many books are on your to be read pile? And if there's any that you're excited to get to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually, it's like behind me and I've, I've actually just been adding to it slowly and being, yeah. and, and <clears throat> I'm not a super fast reader. And so that's part of the problem. Like, you know, like you go on Twitter and there's people are like, oh, like I've read this in one sitting and I'm like, I, you know, like I would have been up for four straight days if that was, you know, if, if, if I read something in one sitting. Um, there's probably about 10 books. Um, a few that I'm excited about. Um, uh, we Ride Upon Sticks by Quain Berry that just like came out fairly recently. It, and it's supposed to be super funny. It's set in the 80s and it's like, I think like, it's like sort of like, like field hockey and like the dark arts and all of these. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, so, I have to add so, that. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those ones that I saw somebody, I saw like a blurb about it and I was like, oh yeah, I gotta check that out. That seems like yeah. right up my alley. Um, yeah. There's uh, another more recent one that came out is like uh, Barn 8 by Devil and Unferth, which is like a book about uh, chicken heist. But yeah, and then some other, like, just kind of exploring, <laughs> exploring some older stuff. Like, I, I, my knowledge of, like, kind of, like, vintage classic science fiction isn't kind of as good as I would like it to be. So I'm trying to, like, I want to read some Samuel Delaney. I have a few of his, like, kind of, like, early novellas on there. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's kind of, like, on the reading list as well, yeah. Have you found, you know, Aaron and I have talked um, a lot lately, actually, about how hard reading has changed during quarantine. And at first, we were both kind of struggling to, to stay concentrating, to get into books. Have you found your reading has changed at all? Yeah, a little bit. You know, I find it, it just sort of difficult. Like, I, it's one of those things that I, I need to read a few pages when I wake up or else I just don't read for the day, basically. It's like one of those things, like, if I read when I get up, I'll revisit it throughout the day, but otherwise I'll just sort of get caught up in sort of like uh, the malaise, basically. You know, it's easy to, it's easy to fall into that thing where, you know, you're like, oh no, I should get my work done. And then, but then you just like hang out and read the news and then you're not happy. And then, yeah. And then you don't have any time to read and, and you've, and you spent the whole day staring at your computer screen, you know? Yeah. So yeah. So it's kind of like, that's how I've been trying to fight it. But yeah, there is especially like Early on, it was just like, I just like wasn't really like doing anything, no reading, yeah. no writing. I was just, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was pretty difficult. Um, of the books that you have been able to read either recently or, or even in the, in the last few months, has there been a book that's uh, really surprised you? Something, uh, you know, that really jumped out at you? Totally. So the, the two books I've read recently that I just like loved that I've been kind of reading like during this, you know, sort of like you know, stay at home time. I read um, The Dog of the South by Charles Portis. Uh, and it's just so funny. Like, it's just kind of, it's one of those books that I'd heard it was just like hilarious. He wrote True Grit. So I think like oh. uh, a lot of people think of him as a, a Western oh. author. And I think, you know, he is in, in a lot of ways, but The Dog of the South is more modern. It's like set in the seventies when it was written or the sixties or seventies. I forget exactly when, but it's this, this man, uh, his wife runs away with her like ex-husband 
and they run away to Mexico and he's just sort of following them. But then he like picks up people along the way. It's one of those, like, it seems like a really, like, it's going to have this extremely driven sort of like road trip plot. And then it just totally meanders all over the place. It's just a lot of like quirky characters and a lot of like, just like real fun, sort of like weird, (laughs) just interactions, like really sharp dialogue. Uh, I don't know. So I loved that one. It was just like so funny. It was like the perfect, it was the perfect read. It was like sort of like got me back into reading a little bit, like, Mm -hmm. because it was just like kind of this like, this sort of easygoing, like flowy, just, (laughs) you know, like a lot of dialogue, a lot of people just like, a lot of funny people just sort of, you know, like kind of like expressing their just like their bonkers opinions about all sorts of things that don't make any sense. And so, yeah, so it's just kind of like a fun plotless and yet not necessarily like plotless, but there's like a lot of momentum. Mm-hmm. And then the other one I read was um, uh, The Seas by Samantha Hunt that I really, I really love that. It's a, I think it's from 2005. I think it, it's, so it's, I have some, I have this old copy of it. I think it's been like re-released by like Tin House. It's basically the story of this woman who lives in this seaside town uh, who believes she's a mermaid. And then she's like, it's like the town struggles with like a lot of alcoholism. And she's kind of like her her one friend in town is this kind of uh, Iraqi war veteran who is kind of like struggling with PTSD and alcoholism himself. But it's kind of like this like weird thing where like I feel like a lot of there are a lot of books like that where you know you're you're kind of like the question is, is this an insane person or is this uh or is this the only correct person in this world? Like, you know, the, are they the only one who actually sees what's happening? And I think, like, she pulls that off, like, that balance off really well. And I think, like, there's not necessarily, like, this driving plot line necessarily, but uh, it's just a lot of short chapters, a lot of very bizarre, just sort of, like, it's, like, sort of, like, you can't totally tell, like, what's in her head and what's actually happening. And, yeah, it's also kind of, like, beautiful in this, like, weird, funny sort of way. So, yeah. Highly recommend The Seas. And I want to check out her other book too. So that's like, you know, it's, it's definitely like, I'm like, it's always fun to find an author and you're like, oh, great. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. I read all uh, other stuff. Hey. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She has a collection of really short stories, um, The Dark Dark. And if you, I, I bet oh. you like that as well. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. I'll have to check that out. Well, you've mentioned a few, you know, chicken heists, things like that. Where do you find your book recommendations? <laughs> With like recent books, you know, it's just like, I just like, you know, I see people talking about them. Uh, you know, I see, I see reviews uh, in like kind of like the usual places. Um, but there's a lot of, honestly, like a, lot, a lot of my books, I just sort of find sometimes like, at, like, you know, it's like, like, I really love to go to like, like library book sales and like uh, used bookstores you pick something up on a whim and then like that becomes like one of your favorite authors mm-hmm. now because you, you know that you bought like a used copy and now you buy all of their new stuff that comes out and then i you know so like i like to to do that i like to just play a little bit like you know it's like the library book sale roulette or like uh you know it's like you just see what's around um but i also i mean like my wife happened to listen to this radio program where they mentioned mary robeson and i was like oh okay like i should check her out that sounds interesting and then uh and then like another another one of my favorite authors like a friend of mine just like was like oh that reminds me of this book I read you know we were just like having a conversation and I was like I was telling him a story and he was like oh that reminds me of a book I read you know and and he like he got it for me and then it's like I've read everything else by this guy now so like you know it's just like you know yeah so so kind of all over the place really bad part about doing a podcast with a good friend that reads is that I have added so many because of Amy she's always like oh I read this book now I have to read it well, and that actually, like, that's how, um, you know, Erin first read your book, The Heap, and then she talked about it, 
loved it. And so then she let me borrow it. And I was like, well, shit, now I have to like read this in between before all these other things. So we do this a lot, but, <laughs> um, but like I said, Aaron recommended your book um, in an episode not too long ago, actually. And we found out about you through our friend, Callie White, Ben Bali. Yeah. She went to see you, I think, at your first reading at Beaverdale Books. Yeah, and no, then, I met her there. Yeah. Yeah. And she was talking up your book. And I'm like, all right, let's read this. What I think we both loved about it is it's so, you know, so delightfully strange and weird and really cool in a lot of ways. What did you have? Do you think you had particular books that influenced some of what came out as the final product? Oh, definitely. Um, I, I kind of think a lot about like, I mean, there was sort of a point in college, um, you know, it's like, I always did like kind of like improv comedy and I always wanted to like write sketch comedy and I always wanted to kind of like do this sort of stuff, um, you know, kind of just like real like sort of like, like stage comedy. Um, and because I felt like that was kind of like where my sense of humor was at. And then I remember reading, uh, I read Pastoralia by George Saunders in college. Like it's like, like I think it's his second collection. And I was just like, it, it was like one of those things where I was like, oh, I didn't realize like you could do this. Mm -hmm. I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize like these sorts of jokes were allowed and like, <laughs> you know, like capital L literature. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and so that was like, I mean, that's kind of like a big like formative uh, book for me. And then kind of from there, like authors like Kelly Link, uh, Patrick DeWitt has a few books that I like that kind of like really drove me to like try and like do more like plot work. Um, you know, like, so he's got the sisters brothers and then mm -hmm. uh, under major Domo minor, these like two, like really, like really weird, but like fun and exciting books. I always just like, I always admire his ability to like build these plots that are, that have a lot of momentum and they're just like, you know, it's like, they're kind of like, they're constantly like, moving forward, every, every chapter is a new, like, tense moment. And yet at the same time, like, they're really funny and they're really strange too, so yeah. Yeah, I can see that definitely with some of those authors. You can kind of see some of that in your book, you know, the balance between this great plot, but then also the dark humor, which is part of what I really loved about it. At the end of each um, interview, we ask some kind of like our top five questions. And the okay. first one is, we want to know about your most memorable fan interaction, whether that was fun, weird, touching? I haven't had too many fan interactions. Um, <laughs> I, you know, honestly, it's just like, it's kind of like a boring answer, because, uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just been sort of fun, like, you know, like people like have emailed me and just said they really enjoyed the book, or like every now and then I'll get tagged in a, like a, a Twitter post about it that's been like really exciting, or, uh, and so that's been nice, you know, but like, yeah, I, honestly, like I read it at Beaverdale and I read it at Prairie Lights, and I, uh, I didn't necessarily, like, you know, it's like we didn't really do really like a book tour for the heap. So like kind of most of my fan interactions have been digital, you know, so I haven't had any like any weird, awkward interactions or funny interactions. It's mostly just been like people being very nice. <laughs> so that's good. That's good. We, we kind of yeah, hear like yeah. everything from people we talk to. There's some real weirdos out there. So it's good. Oh, to yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> Did you, um, <laughs> as you, uh, you know, started to get into the literary world, did you have like an author that you really wanted to meet and did, and it went well? Huh. I mean, I think that there were like, there were, um, in grad school, um, it was, it was exciting because like, you know, it's like, I found out uh, Rebecca, Rebecca Mackay was going to be like one of the visiting faculty members, uh, kind of like in the summer between, uh, like a you know it's like my first and second year and so like 
I read all of her, I, or I read, you know, her two novels at that point, um, because it was, this was before The Great Believers and her collection as well. And so like, and I just like, I loved them. You know, I just it was like, so like, like there was the one about, there's one about a librarian who like steals a child. And there's one about this like old house in like the Chicago suburbs. That's kind of a writing retreat and things. And I just like love those books. And so, you know, I was kind of like really excited to work with her on my thesis and stuff like that. And so kind of, and then actually meeting her and she was, like nice and cool as you would hope, basically. <laughs> so yeah, so that was kind of one of my, that was like one of my nice interactions. Well, that's nice when they turn out to be what you hope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Would you say your love or joy of reading has changed since you became a published writer? Not really. I've probably been reading a lot more like recently released books, maybe. That would be like the one thing, like I feel like it used to be just kind of more of a sort of, uh, just like sort of like whatever I could, you know, like whatever I wanted to, I would, you know, like I'd find out about this book from 2005 and I'd read it or I'd read about, you know, this book that's just sort of been on my list for a while. And, and I've kind of like, you know, and I might not necessarily like read a lot of books just as they come out unless they're by, you know, an author that like I've been waiting for, but kind of also, I feel like finding out a little bit about like how it all works and like sort of like how important things are like right away. <laughs> so maybe that's like, that's the only like real way in which it was like really changed. I mean, for the most part though, like I still kind of like, and you know, it, it hasn't necessarily like turned me into a curmudgeon or like, you know, like I don't, you know, <laughs> <they're definitely>, yeah. <laughs> I would say like grad school probably has changed the way I read, probably changed the way I read more than like, uh, than like the, the publication process in some ways. Thinking about, you know, some of the books, and this could have been throughout your reading life, it could have been recently. Do you think there's a book that you would either ask or demand that everyone should read? It's, I'm a, you know, I'm just going to answer selfishly because I want more people to read it. Not necessarily because I'm like, oh, this would change the world, you know, if more people read so, uh, this fun. author, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's this author I really love and it's like, he's, he's, you know, I was mentioning before, like a friend of mine just got a book and now I can't, like, got a book one time when we're having a conversation. Now I can't stop reading his stuff. And his name is Magnus Mills. And he's this British author. He was a professional bus driver. Like he's just like, he, and I think he still drives a bus in London. Um, and he is like, he's this like very intriguing character. And I think like his first book was called The Restraint of Beasts. It's really good, but I almost feel like his later stuff as he's gotten like oh, further away from that has gotten like progressively weirder and like kind of like more just like its own like little bubble. So he writes these like weird books that are kind of like, I wouldn't say they're mundane in plot there, but they're very much like, like, like things happen. There's a lot of excitement. It's like, so like, okay, so I'll, I'll use just like one example. So his most recent book is called The Forensic Records Society. It's just about a group of men who decide to form this group, uh, this like, or these two men who decide to form a group called the Forensic Records Society. And the whole thing is they're like vinyl nerds and they like, they think that people aren't listening to records correctly. So they want to listen to them forensically, which means like basically they just put records on, but no one's allowed to speak. And then, and then, you know, it's like everyone brings a record each week and they put one on and like, but then like kind of like different sort of factions start breaking off and being like, well, we want to have like a, we want to have our own record society where like we're allowed to express our opinions or discuss the track. And then this, like, this other kind of, like, this whole different record society starts up where it's, like, the guy basically becomes a cult leader and, like, people go and, like, like you know, hear his opinions on records. It's just this, like, things kind of ramp up and ramp up and ramp up. But, like, 
it's all about the the record society. You'd never like he's his classic thing is sort of like you'd never actually hear what's going on in a character's life. Like if a character if it's about the forensic record society, like there's never anything about like any of these characters' jobs or you know it's like or like their relationships outside of this one thing. It's just this he builds these very narrow little worlds. And I don't know, I just like can't get enough of them. So like that he's one of my favorites. And then actually while I was talking, I thought of another book that's maybe a little bit more productive. Uh, <laughs> and it's called Abbott Awaits by Chris Bachelder. It's a book about like a father and his daughter and his pregnant wife. And it's in the summer, he's a professor and it's in the summer, like when his, his wife, I wanna say is like, you know, it's like she's like seven or eight months pregnant. And every like, every chapter is like a one or two page vignette that's like a day in the summer. But it's just like the writing is just like one of those things where you're like, this is like unbelievable. Like the way he has like, he has like a way of expressing things that like, it's just like so funny and also just like perfect in this. Like, you know, you hear it and you're like, oh yeah, I know exactly what, he, what he's talking about. You know, like of like cool. the, the four-way stop where like the, uh, the stoplight goes out and then like everyone's just like, you know, like waving each other along. Like there's just like this sort of like long, just, it's a lot of like long descriptions long beautiful descriptions of like like that are really funny but also like just like perfectly rendered and like zero plot like absolutely no plot at all <laughs> there's like nothing nothing really happens at the end of our episodes we talk about some pop culture that we're recommending or like right now so would would you be willing to share a pop culture obsession you have whether that's movie tv podcast whatever music yeah totally um so pretty much like you know it's like we're in like the golden age of tv right now and like and uh but pretty much like what's the only thing that we've really been watching during these months have been like food network shows uh and we just like so there's a few <laughs> there's a lot of great ones and, I, and i'm gonna go through a few of them. probably the most famous one is chopped i actually find chopped kind of mean like it's like everyone's like very angry on chopped they present chicken that's like not cooked and then like then they're like upset later that they're getting sent home it's like it's this like very bizarre like uh i don't know so i'm not a huge chopped fan my, my preference is uh, Guy's Grocery Games. So it's Guy Fieri's Grocery Games. It uh, takes place in Flavortown Market. He has his own grocery store. Oh and, uh, and the chefs need to, need to shop for the groceries uh, and then prepare them. And there's a whole variety of like games of like, oh, you have to go under this budget, have to go under this weight of products. You can only use these aisles. Just delightful. Um, <laughs> And everyone there is super happy because it's a very like Guy Fieri fueled, uh, you know, it's like he like sets the tone. Uh, and then the, the other one is a little bit less popular. It's called Cooks versus Cons. So basically there, there are four cooks. They each claim to be a professional chef, but two of them are talented amateurs and two of them are professional chefs. And so like, and you don't know throughout the show. So it's, it's a really, it's an, interact, in, an interactive experience because you know, you're guessing along with the judges and trying to decide like who are the cooks and who are the cons. So highly recommend uh, Food Network. These are all available on Hulu. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. You make me feel so much better because we've been obsessed with Food Network shows. Like that's, yes. we can't stop watching them, yeah. There's another yeah. one on National Geographic called Food Factory. Fascinating. Oh, oh I like, will like, check this out. Oh god, it's like you're. I mean, we feel like we're five and we're watching cartoons. We're just like, <laughs> That's how they make popsicles. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's like people are like, people are like, oh, have you seen the new season of Westworld? I'm like, I am watching 
I'm watching fast. people cook in a grocery store, actually. Like, that's what I prefer to do. Yeah, no, it is like, you know, like, I feel bad because, like, there's so many, like, there's so many prestige television shows right now. And I'm like, but yeah, no, I'd rather watch Food Factory, for sure. I'd rather watch, like, you know, I'd rather watch all of these, like, kind of brainless, easy, like, cooking shows. It's so fun. Especially at this time, there's no reason for any shame around. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever's getting you through. I exactly. Yeah, that's that's what I tell myself. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, Sean. This was so fun. I hope you enjoyed yourself. We really loved your book. Oh, yeah, this was great. It was such a great thing to be able to talk to you. We wish it could have been in person, but maybe sometime in the future. Maybe sometime in the future. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Sometime. <laughs> <laughs> a ways from now. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Thanks for having me. So Aaron, we just talked to Sean Adams. And it was as enjoyable as I hoped that it would be. Yeah. It is a cool feeling to know that he's right here in Des Moines. And, you know, he was just a few blocks away, even though it felt like it was so far away. But that also means that in the future, that plan of us making him our best friend can still work. Like we, that's now true. he's in the vicinity. That's we can true. bring him into our orbit. So still, on, could still, just, still in the plans. Yes. Mm-hmm. We could just randomly invite him to things constantly <laughs> until he shows up. <laughs> like, look, I know we just talked to via Zoom, but, you know, I think you should come to my birthday party. So. <laughs> I was going to go like get togethers, but birthday to birthday party, I like. Okay. <laughs> I want to see what kind of gift he brings. I want all of that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> One of the other things that I liked was um, how he talked about the classics, you know, that the the timing was just off in when he took them on, which we've heard a lot and can totally relate to. Like, I love the idea that Mark Twain's supposed to be this guy that's, you know, like the top and hilarious. And, you know, you read that too early and you're like, none of this is funny. It's not funny at all. No, there's no funniness. No. Or like he said, Frankenstein. Like, yeah, this is going to be amazing. No. Nope, not rad. No. Not rad, mm-hmm. but I did appreciate that he said rad because that is a word I always want to bring back into the world. Yeah, that's a great use of that word. Yeah. Yes. I, I did like, too, that his routine for continuing to read during quarantine was a few pages in the morning. I, I thought that was a great idea. Um, nice way to start the day and sort of get past some of this anxiety and all of the kinds of struggles that we're having with reading these days. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I really enjoyed too was how he talked about his influences, especially books that are weird and darkly funny, because I could see a lot of that comparison or see some of that influence come through in the heat, because there was a lot of kind of dark comedy that really makes some of that book. And some of the weirdness, like the heat goes in directions you don't anticipate at yes. all. And so, yeah, so him really liking the weird was really cool. I liked yeah. I like that he gets his recommendations from friends um, and reminded us that the inherent problem with doing this podcast is that now we have all of those books on our to be read pile as well. Yeah. It's um, you know, remember when we talked about like how many books are on our TBR pile a while back and I said Mm -hmm. something like 30 and you were aghast because you have so many more just so you're aware that number has exponentially increased and it keeps increasing as you keep recommending good books. Good, so, good. See, so that, that's, yeah. 
Good. I want to make it grow to ridiculous heights. <laughs> it's nothing else but to make myself feel better. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And finally, I love that he was like, uh, prestige drama? No, that's not what I'm looking for. I want some Food Network shows. I want some Cooks versus Cons, which I have never heard of this show. Sounds terrific in a terrible sort of way. <laughs> in all the best ways for right now. <laughs> So we will be back next Wednesday with our regular weekly themed episodes. In the meantime, though, you can head to our website, broadsandbooks.com, and check out all of those episodes. Subscribe now and you'll get them all direct to you. Happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... Talk to me. I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.